0: Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. This is Rob Moore here with part two of Sales Make the World Go Round. If you haven't listened to part one yet, definitely recommend you pause me right now and go and listen to part one first. Assuming you've listened to part one and you're on to part two, or you've just paused me to listen to part one and you're back for part two, let's go with part two. So, if you try and sell someone something immediately, then you're doing a lot of damage to yourself, your business, and your brand. And you know, some people say like, hey, well, it doesn't really matter, just give it a go. And you can just, you know, go and try and sell anything to anyone. And 50 people will say no, and five people will say yes, and that's fine. It's a numbers game. But you actually have to be careful because if you sell to people before they're in a mindset or a comfortable position to be sold to, you could actually repel them forever. I don't know if you've ever been to a networking event or you've been sold by someone who sold to you too soon, too hard, didn't get to know you. You didn't think to them, hey, yeah, good try, come back next week and you can have another go. What you actually thought was, I hope I never see them again. And if I go to an event and they're there, I'm going to try and avoid them. So a way to negate... Overselling someone or selling someone too soon such that it can actually damage you is to work out the ideal number of touch points in your sales process for your business or your enterprise. Now, if you're buying a pack of peanuts, it might be two or three touch points. Now, you might think it's one touch point, buy a pack of peanuts because you're hungry, but You'll already have thought of which pack of peanuts or brand that you want, or you'll see a brand in a supermarket and there'd have been some marketing or some referral or recommendation or, or an anchor to the fact that you've had that pack of peanuts before. So even something small and simple and consumable and instant like food, there still would have been one or two touch points in your mind through their marketing or the memorability that would would have triggered you to either see them and want them and have a memory of them or just want them when you saw them. So you're probably going to have between a three and 11 touch points depending on your brand. Now, if, if someone wants to buy a £100,000 car, there's going to be way more than two or three touch points. There might be 11, even more touch points. And when I say touch points, I mean amount of times that you've seen or been aware you've got memory, a little space in your mind, about the product, service, idea, or whatever. So if you can make sure that before you're speaking to someone or your salespeople are speaking to someone about the product or service that you're selling, if they could have already been exposed to you, your brand, beforehand by way of what we might call a pre-sale or pre-stick, it's also known as, then that's going to make the sales process a lot easier. And that might be in the form of a report you know, online, they might, you might give someone a free report online or a brochure, a physical brochure that could go through the post. You could have a an online e-brochure and a physical brochure, an online report and a physical report. Even if they're the same thing, it's kind of different formats of touch points. So the touch points don't have to all be by email or all be by phone. If you're some by post, snail mail, as they call it, some online electronic downloads, maybe even texts. Repurposing the same thing in different formats can almost count as more than one touch point. It'd be good if they've read your or your company's story somewhere before uh, you or the salesperson is face to face or on the phone with them or at the point of sale, whether that's a bio online on Wikipedia or on your website, that certainly can help because the more they feel they know you... Before you speak to them, the more rapport and connection there is and the less you have to sell to them and the more they just ask for you to, I wouldn't say they necessarily just ask to buy, but the less of a pitch you have to do. Because if you ever put in a position where you have to pitch, then you have the weaker position. So if someone ever says to you, hey, pitch me now, you've got three minutes, don't ever do it. The only way you can ever win if someone ever says pitch me is say, hey, look, I couldn't sell you. I'm not here to sell you. You're smarter than that uh, and put the uh, put the um momentum back in, in their corner if you like, so you never want to be in that position where you have to pitch before you've earned the right to pitch so if they know a bit about you, your story, your history, then that's going to really build rapport and credibility before you have to talk about any kind of sale or offer, and you want to make sure that that story of of you is concise and almost scripted. Now, there's a model in storytelling called then, now, how, action. So then is the past and the low point. The now is how the story is now, you know, the the results, the credibility. The how might be the results and credibility through the offer or the product or the service. And then the action is what someone should do next. So you might, for example, say something like, six months ago, I was so skinny. I used to go down KFC and lick people's fingers. I used to pick fag butts off the floor and smoke them. Fast forward to now, and my company has sold 20 zillion copies of Life Leverage, and one billion trillion people have listened to the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast. And you can get exactly the same results that I've got if you just invest a small amount of money in my products and services. And the way you can best do that is either online on the website or on iTunes. So (laughs) that's a very crude then now how action story model. So you talk a bit about almost the creation of the product or the service or the low point of before the creation or the product or service if you're an inventor you talk about the low point before the idea where you got the bathtub revelation you fast forward to now and the results and the credibility you can wrap it in humility uh, that's always, often a good thing to, to do because if you say hey i'm this and i'm that and i've done this and I'm done, i've done that and, and you're not worthy then that can come across a bit like a dick if there's a, probably no other better way of saying it so if you can wrap your now results the the things that you've done in a bit of humility that will really help package up your then now how action story the how is best served when the product or service is the how So if someone can buy the solution, someone can buy in your product or service the results that you got. For example, um, one of my companies, Progressive Property, we offer uh, products and services, courses around property training and education to create uh, passive income. And my personal story is that I was nearly 50,000 pounds, so that's what, 80, 90,000 US dollars in consumer debt. And a mentor gave me a chance because he helped me get access to one of his courses at a 50% discount. And it still cost me, but he gave me a 50% discount. And I learned some no money down investing techniques on that course and with those manuals and was able with my business partner to buy 620 properties, no money down. And the knowledge and education and support from mentors and people far smarter than I and 25,000, 30,000 hours of investing time with myself and my business partner, the £800,000 of courses and trainings we've done across the whole world, because I really believe in products and services and courses from mentors, that's all been wrapped into the courses that we now offer. And for just a small amount of investment, you can get the same course and you can therefore get the same results that I did. So that's just a, a basic example of how you can take your then to now And then you can package your story into the how, and they get to buy the how, they buy the solution. So in my story, they bought, what, £800,000 worth of courses and trainings I've done over the last 10 years, and they bought the course, the first course I ever did, and they bought the 620 properties I did no money down. And of course, all the mistakes along the way that I made, they buy the solutions to those in the course that I now offer for a fraction of, of that price. Okay, so what else, what other pre-sale or pre-stick touch points can you have? Well, things like this, podcasts, books, videos on YouTube and social media, they're all great ways to get your fans, followers, customers and clients knowing about you, your products, your services before they meet you or they're sold by you or your sales team. And I don't know about you, but I listen to a lot of podcasts and I follow a lot of people. I, I, I just love learning from people. I love meeting people. It's one of the one of the one of the most inspiring and fun things I think in life is meeting amazing people in their own different niches. In fact, I'm in San Diego for Bobby's first world championships and I just love speaking to all the other coaches who are coaching all the other kids. And just saying, what are your top tips? And because when I tell them my son's five, they they can tell me what they did when their son or their junior who they're coaching was five. And and I just find that so inspiring. I just love that. And so I, I really feel like I connect with these people on their podcasts, on their books, on their YouTube channels. And so if I ever were to go on their courses or look into their courses or buy anything from them, I'd be so sold already. You know, if any of the podcasters brought out their new book, I'd buy it instantly. And if any of the big uh, YouTubers that I watch were offering online courses or anything like that, i just buy it instantly, even though I've never met them. So you want to build your online assets, your audio, your visual online assets, if nothing else, to build this credibility and this story and this pre-selling for you, even if you don't have anything to sell yet, and even if you don't use it as a sales tool. I mean, I don't use this podcast to sell you anything. I've never done a pitch on it. It's not the purpose of that. And you know, we we naturally get cascaded down business. This podcast has been amazing for my businesses just the last two days. Two people have invested over £55,000 in two of my companies that came straight from the podcast. One chap who won Strictly Come Dancing. So it's it's, it's a great thing. And it's not something I ask for or something I do. I just do this because I love to do it. And and I guess if you show your passion and enthusiasm for what you do in all of these pre-sale media, and you have many of them, not just one, that will come through. People will feel that. And then when they meet you, it'll almost be like they're kind of like meeting this celebrity, and you might just be this normal person. You might do your podcast in your pants. <laughs> Sorry if you're visual. So some great ways to pre-sell so that when it comes to doing your pitch, uh, there really isn't. If you don't have to pitch, it's just a, an exchange or, of energy, a transfer of energy, then that's the best position you can be in. Okay, and what you want to do to make that easy and clear for you and your team is you want to create a visual sales process of all those touch points in it. So all the way from maybe your online report or your YouTube video or your podcast, your blog, all of the social media platforms you have, you'll want to create a visual, almost like, um, what do you call them? Something visual (laughs) flowchart. And um, yes, that is an extended pause while I think about what I'm actually trying to say. Create this visual flowchart work out the three, seven, nine, twelve touch points and put in the point where the salesperson makes the call or the transaction is made online. Now sales always works best if it's inbound rather than outbound. So if you've got this flow chart and after position number two, so on position number three, you, you've got totally marketing team who are out there smashing 80 calls a day. You'll get there through attrition, but you will piss off half the planet and, and you won't want to do that. So if you can create this visual process of three to 11 touch points and where you've got maybe 0.5 and 0.10 are inbound, where you generate leads and interest coming in rather than having to phone out, that's great. And then if you get to the end of the process, three to 11 points, that might be where you have an outbound, where you might, have a, you might just have it as a customer service call or a survey call. Hey, I noticed this and just wanted to get your, your thoughts, how we can improve... What should we start, stop, keep? I noticed that you've had a a lot of interaction with us, but you haven't actually invested in this book or this podcast or this product. Can you just tell us why? So it can even be a very gentle sale at at point 11. And then maybe at the last resort where really it looks like they're going to not have any engagement with you. Then you might go for outbound and sales call. I think it's very important when you're selling to be you focused. So when you hear I, 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 me, 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 my, 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 look at me, I am this, I am that, woohoo, bow to me, you're just totally turned off. It could be the, the, the nicest person in the world, they could be, you could have good rapport, they could be a very good salesperson. But if it's all I, 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 me, 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 my, 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 like those public speakers who are, I've done this and I've done that and look at me and me, 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 my, 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 it, that's just the surest way to turn off any customer, client or fan. So if you can change the I, me, my words to you and your words or we words is better than I, me, my words, your sales will become much more elegant and inbound. So from a mindset point of view, you're just simply focusing on them, getting them to talk two thirds of the time. Instead of you talking about yourself, ask questions to elicit responses and speeches and monologues from your clients and customers. Get them talking about them a lot more. You know, classic going back to Dale Carnegie's How to Influence and Influence People. But, eat, but there are times on your online assets and face to face where you're going to be talking about you, yourself, your products, your pictures, and that's great. And you'll have your turn, and you can do that. But get rid of those I mean my words and replace them with you and your words. Facts tell, stories sell. So where possible, use stories and analogies to overcome objections and to make points. Because the more direct you are, the more people will put up their barriers and the more salesy you will see. So simply remember that facts tell, stories sell. Now, you can create two or three really elegant, clever stories with objection overcomers and mind reads and rapport and connection within it. You can also keep it quite simple and say, well, look, I'm not here to sell you anything, but what I can tell you about is Mr. X client. And you can simply use third-person language and third-person social-proof clients to do your pitching for you. I'm not here to sell you, but what I can say is... Mr. X had a similar situation to you and this is what they did and this is what they thought. So where possible, move away from first person, try not to ever be in pitch mode and go into third person and use stories, analogies and testimonials to do the selling for you. Now, there's this really big myth in sales and that is people buy from people they like. Wrong! Massive myth. Let's bust this right now. People don't buy from people they like. People buy from people who are like them. So, yes, it's good to like people, but you are going to feel more deep rapport, connection, a sense of we've been through things together, we could go through things together, we could socialize together and be lifelong friends together, and we're not like the rest of them, and we're almost kindred souls, and we're almost everyone's a bit different, and we're almost kind of a bit weird, and and we're very misunderstood. You only ever get that closeness with people who are like you, not people who like you. So let me say that one more time, because it's really important here. People don't buy from people they like. People buy from people like them. So what you'll need to do is find out what people are like and what they like, and you'll need to elicit their values and elicit their interests and then match and mirror those, but not in that really clunky NLP way that everyone was talking about in the 90s where you were copying the body language and, you know, opening up your body and following their lead. I'm not talking about that kind of really contrived mechanical matching and mirroring. I'm talking about eliciting their highest values and their highest interests and always keeping those the subject of the conversations, Now, the carte blanche way, the model, the system, the script for eliciting values, it's really simple and it's so powerful. There's 30 pages of it in my book, Life Leverage, 99 to 129, if you want the sort of, you know, the the deep, deep dive of it. But I can give you nine or 10 words right here, right now. And it's simply, what is most important to you in your life? So if someone said to me, if you were asking me now, Rob, what's most important to you in your life? I might say growth, business. I might say... Family, I might say Bobby's golf, I might say happiness and contribution. And those five things are the things that are most important to me in my life. And so if you discuss subjects, rapport, the cul-de-sacs we might go on in the bit leading before the salesy bit about personal development, growth, seminars, reading books, what podcasts I listen to, what events I go to, how I look to improve as a person, how I'm raising my kids, how I look to, you know, raise Bobby as a golfer and Ariana as a golfer and how I look to make myself better, to make them better and how I'm always looking to make give Bobby the best upbringing, then you've got me. You should, I'll get my credit card out right now. If you talk to me about what kind of chicken feed I use and how I like pfft, any other random stuff, I'm done, I'm bored, I'm, I'm, I'm out, as they say. Now, I know some of you might think that some of this is quite fundamentally basic. It's fundamentally fundamental because we cannot help going into self-mode. I'm in mean, me, my, 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 and where we talk about our interests and project onto others rather than getting their interests. So, you ask them what's most important to them. You make a mental note. You ask, you ask them what their interests are. But rather than saying, What are your hobbies and interests? so that in 15 minutes I can sell them back to you, you just say, Hey, what are you doing when you're not at work? Hey, what are you doing? If you, what would you do all day, every day, if you weren't working? So, find some conversational, elegant ways of getting the information you need and just keep the conversation on that track hey, tell me a bit about this. Hey, tell me a bit about that. Hey, I'm interested in that. Hey, that's, I've never done that before. I'd love to learn about that. Now, here's the the, the important part, because some people say to me, well, Rob, if I'm not interested in what they're interested in, then this don't don't work. (laughs) Well, if you're not interested in what they're interested in, then what you do is you show interest and that you'd love to learn. So you'd say something like, hey, I'm rubbish at chess, but I'd love to learn or at least get your take on it. So even if you're not interested in it, show a desire to be interested in them and get them to talk about it and almost teach you a little bit. And that's the way you get around and not because you don't want to pretend that you're interested in something and get caught out. That's obviously the wrong thing to do. So elicit their values, elicit their interests. Keep all conversations and rapport on those topics and you're three quarters, four fifths of the way there. You probably won't even have to ever go into pitch mode. Now, you do, however, want some scripted pitch. Now, you don't want to be organic with this. You want to have a few sentences of scripted pitch because when you do that, you're able to weave that into the conversation and get that across. And if you don't have that, you could be waffly, bumbly, and you could be inconsistent with your results. So as an example, I remember when 10 odd years ago when I started building my own portfolio and then we were packaging deals and building other people's portfolios, for them, it took us about a year, but we had this sort of scripted pitch, which was, we save you time and make you money by building and managing a hands-free portfolio that you could retire on, creating more financial independence for you. So it would be roughly something like that. Now, I wouldn't script that and press the button on that. But if I ever got a chance to do networking to stand up on the 30 seconds, I'd stand up and say, we save you time and make you money by building and managing a hands-free property portfolio that you could possibly retire on, creating more financial independence. Now, it sounds like a bit of a mouthful, but it's fine. It's only 10, 15 seconds. And that's everything we do. So we're not talking about brokers, solicitors, banks, leverage, cash flow, letting agents tenants all that which is the sort of the functional parts of it we're talking about the vision we're talking about the saving the time they're making the money because that's what people are interested in people are interested in having their time their time saved They're interested in saving or making more money. They're interested in better health, longer life. They're interested in being fitter, looking better. They're interested in more happiness. They're interested in things that are easier, faster, better. They're interested in feeling more important, more valued, more respected. So let me say those all again because you'll need to be writing these down. The things that everyone are interested in, having time saved, created, freed, save money or make money, more health, fitness and looking better, more happiness, having things done easier, faster, better, and being made to feel and feeling more important, valued, loved, and respected. And so we save you time and make you money, rolls in the time bit and the money bit. Now, when, I, when I'd be talking to people one-to-one, I wouldn't spout that out in like a press button, here's your pitch. I'd try and weave that into a dialogue, into a conversation. But if I ever got the chance to stand up at a networking event or someone would say to me, what would you do? Rather than saying, well, well we're, in a, we're a property company and we do this and this and this and this and this, I could say, well, we save people time and money by building and managing a hands-free property portfolio for them. And I could say a half to two-thirds of the pitch, and then they'd have a little bit of a chat and blah, blah, blah. And, and then I could say, and, and what that portfolio does is create more financial independence so that they can do more of what they love. They can have hands-off investments and then I'd be able to do the second part of it conversationally. But you need to get that memorised so that you can weave it into the conversation. And then when you've done it a few times, it won't sound scripted. Because if it sounds scripted, obviously, it totally becomes a a a gimmick uh, and backfires. Okay, now I think two of the most powerful words in selling and marketing is imagine if. Because when you start with, imagine if, A, what your client, customer, or fan, or follower will do is they'll go straight into their own mind. So they're not anymore in your monologue. They're in their own head, which is where we all are and where we love to be. And then it becomes a choice, not a pitch. So if I said, imagine if I could save you time and make you money, it's much better than saying, I will save you time and make you money. Imagine if I said, Imagine if I could help you build a global brand. Imagine if I could help you get more fans, followers for your business uh, at no extra cost. So those two little words, which are so simple, which can be tagged in front of anything you say. Imagine if, imagine if. And people who are taught well to pitch for VCs, they'll say something like, what if, and then they'll talk about a problem. Or they'll say, imagine if, and then they'll talk about a problem and then their app or their new business will solve that problem. What if we had a, yeah, look at me. What if we had a way of ridding poverty? What if we had a way of ridding and curing all disease? Okay, now be careful using gimmicks. What I was actually going to do in this original part two podcast was I was going to give you a lot of sales techniques so the pause before the sale and the three word objection overcoming script. And it's because pre reframing, progressive selling, regressive selling, tag questions. And I was going to give you a lot of those details. But when I thought about it, I thought there's no point teaching gimmicks or techniques if you haven't got all the holistics. Now, if you decide that you'd really love me, for me to talk to you about all the technicalities of selling, Send me a message on Facebook, at Rob Progressive, on my Facebook page. Ask me on Twitter, at Rob Progressive. Email me, robmore at progressiveproperty.co.uk. If I get enough of you asking for that, I'll do a part three. But I'm not going to talk about the gimmicks, because gimmicks look tacky and salesy. I remember one time when I just learned a load of selling off Zig Ziglar, I think it was. And I was doing this phone call and I was pitching someone. And I, I'm, he said, so what have you got to sell me then? And I did the pitch, which I shouldn't have done. Should have said, hey, I've got nothing to sell you. I can't sell you. I just want to get to know you a bit more. And as soon as I done the pitch, I paused. And there was this like 30 second uncomfortable pause. And then he went, so you're doing the pause bit now, aren't you? And I was like, oh, no. And it totally didn't work. And what an idiot. He must have thought, what a Idiot. So be careful using gimmicky techniques. What we're going to finish on is the process after the sale, because a lot of people don't think, they think about the, the sale, the sales process, but they don't think about after the sale. Now, after the sale, you legally have a time frame in which people can refund. Now, it depends on business to business, niche to niche. So legally, people can get a, a refund or an exchange. And... When they go home, especially if the sale's been quite emotional and they get back into the real world, there could be a high probability that they may have remorse. So what you have to do is inoculate those in advance. Now, you can do that through your language by suggesting some of the things they may feel in the next few days and that that's normal and if they need anything, here's my direct dial or my direct email address. You know, you may feel when you get home, but you've invested quite a lot of money or you've made a big decision and you might start to doubt that. Remember why you're here. Remember why you've done it. Remember what you've done it for. If you have any problems or challenges, give me a ring. i help you through it. I have a long-term vision. I want to be working with you for a long time. I'm not going anywhere. So you can, through your language, inoculate those objections that may come up. Now, if you're smart about this and you do surveys to people who refunded or people who in that cooling off period, had remorse and found out why they had remorse, what you do is that you weave that into your process, your after-sales process. It's also known as stick marketing, to make them stick. And you overcome those specific things, whether it's around time, money, or some one of their friends or family may talk, talk themselves out of it. The other thing you can do is you can have stick marketing, which follows up with them after so you can have confirmation email, for example, or some kind of confirmation marketing, which gives them all of the logistics and all of the details of everything they've got and maybe even all of the bonuses and maybe some instantly consumable material because there's nothing worse than feeling like you've bought something, but you don't know what it is, when it is, where it is, and you haven't got all the details. If you've ever gone to seminars and all you'd come back with is that rolled up credit card receipt and you, you know you, you don't really know what you've got for your money. So having a an, an automated follow-up, communication process which gives all the logistics and the details on one on the one hand overcomes the emotional objections on the other hand and then also gives them some instantly consumable information that they can do immediately because maybe they're not going to consume the thing for a week or a month and or you can give them bonuses so you can give them even more than you promised them and the great thing about that is it builds emotional goodwill and emotional debt which reduces their desire to you know, refund or re- record the sale uh, and it gives them something that they can consume now and they got more than they felt that they were sold and of course you know it's best to undersell and over deliver so you always want to hold something back and give them some kind of extra or bonus so they feel they got more than they paid for then they feel they got a bargain and they'll be really happy. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Part two of Sales Make the World Go Around. I really do believe that selling is something you should embrace. If you listen to part one and part two and you've just thought, yeah, Rob, this is all useful, but I hate selling. I can't overcome my fears, doubts, worries, and concerns about it, then outsource it. Get a sales team manager, hire an outsourced telesales company or hire your first salesperson internally, get them to listen to these two podcasts and get them doing all the sales for you. Whichever way you look at it, business is about selling and nothing moves until someone sells something and everyone's selling something. And even the big people in the big businesses who've got the big visions, who don't look like they're salespeople at all, who do all the big keynote speeches like Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg and all these people, Bono and whoever, they're amazing salespeople. Buddha, amazing salesperson. Oprah, amazing salesperson. So even all these big world leaders, this, you know, Bill Gates and the Melinda Gates Foundation, they're selling you on eradicating poverty across the world so let's not fluff this up sales make the world go round embrace it if you can't outsource and leverage it okay so you may remember from the last two podcasts that we've got a 50th episode coming up which is hey it's pretty cool we've got here i want to say thank you for getting to this episode we're nearly at 50 I just want to thank everyone for sharing, for reviewing. Some amazing things have happened to me in this podcast. It's got me in touch with some amazing people. It's going to be on one of the biggest airlines in the world. I've got some huge interviews with some massive global celebrities coming up that, A, I'm going to be doing, and I'm going to be being interviewed myself on some amazing shows thanks to you spreading the word. So I'm really honoured, humbled, grateful. Thank you very much. Let me know what you want. This podcast is for you so inspire me what do you want to learn what are your problems your challenges uh, and let me help you with those so send me your question of what you'd love me to share in terms of either a podcast or a question for the 50th episode robmore at progressiveproperty.co.uk at robmore progressive on my facebook at rob progressive on twitter hey you can find me anywhere and everywhere and i'm going to be giving away a very special gift to everybody's question that's asked on the 50th 50th episode, so really want to give back. Thank you very much, and remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.